Matthew chapter 5, stand with me please as we read God's Word together. All right. <clears throat> Get there myself. Matthew chapter 5. I, the message this morning is going to be how important God's laws are in the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 5 in verse 17. We'll read verses 17 to 20. All right. Once you've found that, let's read together in unison. Begin. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach um and so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray one more time. Father, some rich truth this morning. Lots to say and... I know, Lord, I'd rather just you now say whatever needs to be said. Please help uh, not only the preaching, but the hearing and the learning of your word. Challenge us this morning, Lord, just how important not only your word is, but your commandments, and that we would take them seriously, even today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> All right. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are kind of a summary of the truths about two, two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Now, they're a summary because they're not all that is involved with what, how, why we should live in this kingdom. But they're kind of a summary, a foundation, so that you learn, whoa, okay, when God said this in the Old Testament... This is what he was pointing at. This is what he was trying to get done in my life. Now, if you want to, if, if maybe it's a little confusing to you, say, what's the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of God is a, is a spiritual kingdom in your heart. It's only there when you allow Jesus Christ to save you, when you decide that you're lost and you want to be found. God's already looking for you. He already knows where you are, where you live, how you live, and he's waiting for you to say, I'm tired. He's not asking you to fix your life. He's not asking you to find your way back to God. He's asking for you to pop your head up and say, I'm finished. I'm tired. I quit running from you. I want to be saved. That is when you enter into this kingdom of God. That's when you get the citizenship of eternity. You don't, you don't uh, just, just pray a prayer. You're inviting eternal life into your life. So that's the kingdom of God. It's how we live right now. But the kingdom of heaven is not here yet. It is coming. It is what we would call the kingdom of heaven on earth with Jesus here. Now, that's a, that's a wild thought to think that Jesus is coming back. But isn't that an excellent thought? He didn't leave it to us to figure this world out and to get it all fixed and everything. He gave us um, a promise that he was coming back and he would bring in a kingdom called the kingdom of heaven on earth. That may not mean much to most people, but to those who've had our eyes open, those of us who got tired of this world and knowing where, where it was headed, uh, we, we look forward to it only getting better and better. As they used to say when I was growing up, getting gooder and gooder. Now, Jesus is about to spend quite a lot of time uh, teaching about how to live in the kingdom of God. Now, they were in a, 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 the nation of Israel, but they were not under the kingdom of Israel. Who was actually, or what was actually running the, the nation of Israel? What was the, uh, the empire? What was the kingdom that was over Israel at that day? The Romans. All right. So Jesus was not talking about a kingdom, a physical kingdom. He's talking about a spiritual kingdom. 
a kingdom that lives, uh, that, that, that runs things from your heart outward. We want, we want the, the, the Garda, the, poli- the, um, uh, the doctors, the government to do all these good things for us. But God says, you know what? You could be living in a country where nothing's right, like Venezuela. God says, I don't intend for, me, for himself to fix the kingdom around you. He f- intends to fix the kingdom in you. So that's where he starts. And he talks about this kingdom uh, in, in a way that is unusual for the people. And he's preparing them for the fact that they're going to go, <gasps> what? To some of the things that he's going to say. So <clears throat> uh, to, to too many people, God's laws are something that they want to get rid of. But you noticed our memory verse this morning is Matthew 4, 4. Say it with me and pay attention to these words. Jesus is speaking and he said, but he answered and said unto him, he answered and said, he's speaking to Satan there, man shall not live, or it is certain, I'm ahead of myself, let me do it again. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So here I am in the kingdom of God. Jesus is speaking to his followers and he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. He says, you're going to have to live not only by what I'm about to say, but I want you to understand, I want you to live by the whole package. Every word from Genesis 1.1, by the way, we believe God created the heaven and the earth. We believe he did it in six days, amen? Because we believe every word, don't we? And we live by those words, which means we obey those words. So we live by every word from Genesis to Revelation. Every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Now, people uh, just want to live by their own righteousness. That's, well, that's all I know. They want to they follow a God of their own design. They want a religion that, that, that meets their needs. Um, uh, I guarantee you there are people who are not here because, not because it's Sunday, but because it's a nice day. And so it's easier on a nice day to stay in your pillow or to go out to the beach and things because God is interfering with their life if they have to go to church. Let me tell you, you know, God takes first, amen? I'm glad you guys put him first. I'm not bashing anybody. I'm just telling you that, wait a minute, this is, this is God's day, and people want a God who says, oh, I only want you when it's raining to come to church. I only want you to come to church when you have nothing else in your schedule, amen? That's the kind of God that they want, but that's not the kind of God that's there. So uh, anyone who ever takes the time to learn the law of Moses, you say, you're going to talk about the law of Moses. Yes, anybody who takes the time to learn that law and actually study it, like Jesus is going to open up our understanding to, is going to sit in awe of it. You're going to go, I never saw that before. So um, uh, by way of, of... background, all right? Jesus is preparing his audience. We've already worked through several things here. We've gone through what are called the Beatitudes, all the blessings of, of the, the, the life of the Christian in the, uh, the kingdom. Is the kingdom of God without trouble? Living in the kingdom of God, are you promised no trouble? No. No, there's going to be persecution. You're going to have enemies, Jesus said. You're going to uh, uh, you're going to lack, but Jesus says there are great blessings in the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is preparing his audience for what he was about to teach. And what was he about to teach? Hard things. These are going to be some, we're going to talk about divorce. We're going to talk about murder and anger. We're going to talk about things where people say, you know, you ever hear somebody say, well, I've never committed adultery. Boy, I'd love to say, you're a liar. <laughs> and because they go, oh, oh, because the, just uh, the fact that you haven't committed the act doesn't mean that you haven't committed the sin. And Jesus is going to actually knock the feet out from under everybody when he starts to talk. So he's going to talk about some hard things in these next two, uh, few chapters there. Um, he taught from the laws of God. He constantly said, it is written. And he would be quoting from Genesis or from, from, from Deuteronomy Somewhere, especially in the Old Testament. He did not use his own words. He says, I'm just saying what my father has already said. Now, I find that people think Jesus came to replace the laws of God with a nicer, milder, gentler, more loving kind of rules uh, to live by instead of such a strict set of laws. Jesus, he came to give us a nicer way to live. But Jesus didn't replace the law. He actually took time 
to teach us about the law. Um, it would be, uh, it, it, really, when we go through this, and we're just going to look at the law this morning, but next week when we look at the, uh, the first thing which he goes right in, if you look at verse 21, you have heard that it is said of them of old time, thou shalt not kill, verse 21. He's going to go right in and it'll be breathtaking. I, I think you will be blown away. Um, now, uh, the Pharisees, I have to say this, the, the, the people sitting there had been taught the letter of the law. They had been taught the Ten Commandments. They had been taught the ceremonies, the rules and everything. But the Pharisees never taught them why. I remember growing up, how many of you in secondary school went to a history class and listened to the teacher drone on and on about the Thirty Year War, the Ro War of Roses. I don't know if you learned any of that. Um, the um, uh, uh, the um, um, uh, World War One and uh, the famine of, of um, eighteen forty five, and and you just went, but what's the meaning of all that? Remember? And so they were all just names and places and dates, and we quickly forgot all that. But when somebody takes the time to connect the dots and show that that's not history, that's his story. Working in the lives and, and, and through, through sinful people. And so when you see the dots being connected and you understand the reason, I really believe that, that, um, uh, that World War I and World War II were not just the worst of mankind. I believe God was in charge. Because there's a lot to there, I'll just leave it there. It's just... Um, there are some wrong beliefs about God's laws that are taught constantly today. It's kind of cute. A lot of people say, well, you can't live it, so why try? You ever felt that? Uh, I can't obey God's laws. They're just, you can't perfectly obey them, so why try? I've heard people say they're outdated. They're for cavemen. <laughs> really? Hmm. Uh, I've heard some people say, oh, well, they're only for Israel. Those laws are just for Israel. They're not for us 21st century Europeans. Well, that's kind of partly true, but you better be careful because it's mostly a lie. And then lastly, I hear these, this statement, and that is, well, it's just a list of do's and don'ts. And if there's anything I want you to learn as we go through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you'll come away going, boy, it's not just a do or a don't. There is such depth to every do and don't in the law. I mean, when a parent says, I don't want you with that, hanging around with that person, that's a commandment. But there's a reason for it. Mama sees what you don't see, amen? And mama is looking out for your life and looking out for your future, and looking out for your virginity and looking out for your, your sanity and looking out for everything. And you think it was just a, you're just making law and a commandment. No, it's good for you. All right, so these aren't just a list of do's and don'ts. They actually are super important even to this very day. They are the foundation of everything in our lives. Do you know nothing works without rules and laws that govern how they work? Nothing works unless there are laws. We call them the laws of physics. Without law, society breaks completely down. Look at downtown Cork. Don't do it, but go down to downtown Cork at 10 p.m. on a Friday night. and You tell me if you feel safe. Genesis chapter 6, go back to Genesis chapter 6, and verse 5. I'll show you what it's like without laws. Before the law was ever given, I'll show you what life was like on this planet. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Bless you. Genesis 6, 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, they didn't start that way. It started with Adam and Eve. Things began to progressively get better or worse? Only got progressively worse to the point in Genesis chapter 6, they couldn't even think a good thought. Verse 6, And it repented the Lord that he had made man in the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Go down to verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God. It was ruined, and the earth was filled with, what's the next word? What a statement. Without laws, you get violence. Things go crazy. Without laws and rules, hey, the family will fall apart. Everything falls apart. Why do you think we have abortion in Ireland? Because somebody threw away the law of God. Amen. To actually 
Imagine that a living human being in a womb is compared to a cancer that needs to be removed. Means that that person not only is brain dead, but has removed any type of system of right and wrong out of their head. How about adultery? The very fact that somebody can step out of the relationship and into another relationship, talking about marriage and into another relationship, and feel comfortable with it, means that they don't believe that adultery is wrong. They have no guiding law over their heart. How about disrespect in the home? Anger, hatred, violence comes because somebody forgot the rule. <laughs> Here's somebody and uh, tries to have it, and there are nuts out there all the time. But there's somebody trying to have multiple wives. Where would you get the idea that you can serve two masters? Uh, sorry, how, how in the world can somebody think that I can, I can have as many wives as I want? The only reason is because they threw the law book away and they're just taking whatever comes naturally. In the 1960s was a time where they called it free love and they didn't get married. They just, they just did whatever came true and it brought in venereal disease. It, it brought in the disaster that we're reaping still today in our society. Think about the children who are growing up not knowing who their dad is. Think about how many families have stepbrothers and stepsisters by different dads. How about growing up in a home with two mommies? Where did that come from? My two daddies. We need God's laws in our homes again, don't we? This is not about, oh, well, that's, that's the Old Testament. No, it is sanity. God's laws are not suggestions. They are meant for society. They are meant for the home. They're meant for a church without stable laws. People's mental health has fallen apart. We cannot process all the chaos that is coming at us because things just are not stable. Every one of us were meant to have a home and to have family and children obedient and not killing us at every chance because of things going into chaos. We can't handle that. We need homes and societies that go by laws. Amen? Amen. Traffic won't work without laws. Try to go to, <laughs> try to drive through India. <laughs> Philippines. Does the Philippines, is it an easy place to drive? Some of the big, like Manila? Not really. I've seen some streets in the Philippines. The cars never stop both directions. It's absolutely, and there's thousands of cars every minute going through. No laws. Traffic won't work without laws. Electronics won't work without strict laws of physics. And by the way, without written laws, and our government needs to get back to going by the Constitution that it was given. Because without written laws, every government becomes the enemy of the people, without exception. Without a constitution that holds Leo Varadkar to the letter, where he cannot just bring in a referendum to get rid of, of um, a marriage, it was in the constitution. And yet they say, well, we've got to change the constitution. Yeah, I know how it works. Get rid of the law. Without laws, the entire universe would fall apart. The only reason why you're still in one piece is because God put together a law that holds you together. Thank God for his laws. By the way, Christians don't live well without expectations, without laws, and without limits. Amen. Now, statement, the laws of God are for everybody. They're for every society, not just, not just Western civilization. They're for every society, every family. They're not just for the Jews. They're not just for people living under the Old Testament times. Jesus said he had come to not destroy, not to replace, not to adjust. Can you imagine him coming saying, you have heard it said that thou shalt not commit adultery, but I'm telling you, it's okay now. Did you hear what I said? Can you imagine if he said that? So Jesus never came along and says, hey, you know, God's kind of gotten softer on stealing. It's okay. It's okay to lie now, as long as you don't hurt anybody. He didn't come to destroy, replace, or even you know, adjust the laws of God. As a matter of fact, he tightened them up. He came to fulfill, this, this is a great thing, he fulfilled every single requirement, demand, and expectation. That's why it's a good news. Can you and I uh, fulfill the expectations of the law of God? Yes or no? We cannot fulfill it. Hallelujah. We're doomed. 
but there is a Savior. That's why we call him not just Messiah, but we call him Savior, because he did it all for us. By the way, you say, well, I don't need Jesus. Well, then every Old Testament scripture must be fulfilled by you. If you're going to get into heaven, you're going to have to live perfectly, without exception, without failing. Every word of the Old Testament, righteousness, is going to have to be obtained by you. And guess what? You ain't going to do it. That's why God became a man to do it for you. So the truth is that the law of God is still valid for everyone unless they get born again. Like I say, you're under the law until you come under Christ. And what's great is I, the law was fulfilled. The law's expectations and demands were accomplished by Jesus. So when I come under his dominion, the, all of the expectations are all taken care of. I was given an uh, illustration of, uh, uh, let's see, let's get a look at it. Brendan, would you trust Brendan behind the wheel of your van? Hmm? No, okay. He's a good-looking kid. Good-looking good people drive cars, don't they? Huh? I mean, even little people drive cars, right? <laughs> so, no, but you know what? See, he couldn't handle the car. He may think he can. He was in the bus yesterday. We're driving along. He says, I like sitting right up here because there's a bar here. I'm driving with you, you know? And I says, well, the, what do you do to drive? He says, you just turn the wheel. That's how you drive. <laughs> so there's a little bit more you've got to learn. But you know what? He can get into the car and trust his daddy who knows how to drive the car. Now, I don't know all of God's laws. I don't understand all of God's laws. I can't keep all of God's laws, but I trust my Savior who kept them all. And so I'm just riding along, and he's getting me all the way home. Isn't that a wonderful illustration? Simple little illustration. But the laws are still valid. They didn't get thrown away when Jesus came. Now, here's a great thought. To the lost, you say, well, what good is the Bible to the lost? It's invaluable because it's designed to drive a sinner to their knees. It's designed to expose a sinner for who they really are. See, most people you meet, especially in the Western world, you know what they're going to say? I'm not that bad. You show them just a few of the commandments, then they go, well, I guess I am bad. <laughs> and that's the purpose of them. Even the unsaved need God's law. And Jesus even said it himself, even the breaking of the least commandments is bad. Back there in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, in verse 19, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, as if there was a least one, and then will go and teach them also, teach others also, which is what a lot of churches are doing, by the way. A lot of churches are saying, it's okay to drink. It's okay to live together. It's okay to, um, uh, you know, uh, to, to not pay all your taxes. You know, just listen, the government's thieving anyway. Don't pay, don't, don't pay them. It's okay that you have a filthy mouth. God's not going to kill you over it. Really? Is that your attitude? You know, even the breaking of a least commitment and to sit in a, a minister to stand up and say, we need to love our gay brethren. There are ministers who will say a filthy word out of their mouth or tell a off sentence and go, sorry. You know what they're doing? They're teaching that even the least commandments, and I believe they're not just least, are not, not important, and they're teaching others it's okay to have filthy language, it's okay to fornicate and live together, it's okay to, to drink and to lust and to live in such. That's why so many, quote, pastors are falling because they don't have a law that governs them. Jesus said, whosoever therefore, now I'm not saying that somebody's not saved because some, you know, just, Jesus doesn't say, if you, if you break the commandments, you're going to hell. No, he says, look, if you teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. He's not going to have any rewards in that kingdom. But he didn't say you're going to get kicked out of the kingdom. But whosoever shall do these least commandments and teach them, like I'm trying to do this morning, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So we need to respect God's laws. Because if you start breaking even the least one, 
just by saying something bad, you know, talking like your friends. And I, I know how it is. I know what it's like being 16, 17, 18 years old, and everybody's talking one way, and they all look at you because you haven't said a word. And you feel like you got to say something bad, something filthy, something wicked, just to let them know you're with them. And you need to have a law that says, I will not. This body is the temple of the Holy Ghost now. I'm saved, and nothing filthy is going to come out of this mouth now. Amen. Even breaking the least commandment is bad. Now, there are facts, seven facts about God's laws. I want to establish that Jesus is trying to get people to understand before he teaches what the law says. All right, you ready? Number one, the law of God is perfect. Psalm 19, go back to Psalm 19 and verse 7. Psalm 19 and verse 7. Psalm 19 and verse 7 says this, The law of the Lord is almost perfect. Is that what it says? No. It is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It doesn't change. It doesn't weaken, making wise the simple. Some people in that crowd that Jesus was teaching to was worried about Jesus trying to destroy or replace the law. And people try it all the time. They come up with their own rules to live by, thinking they can do better. I, I remember one young man, when I got saved, he, um, um, he was a Christian. He was already saved. Anyway, he was always complaining about the rules in his home. He was, he was 17 years old, and his dad was still, still telling him when to go to bed. Can you believe that? 17 years old, dad was saying, it's time for bed. And that was like 1130 at night, whatever. It wasn't like 9. But the dad was still saying, you're up a little bit too late. You needed to have gotten your study in done. It's time for sleep so that you can be fresh for tomorrow. You can get up at 6. I don't care, but you're going to bed now. Anyway, can you believe his mom still fixed him food without asking what he wanted? Can you believe that? Unbelievable. 17 years old, he should be allowed to eat. No, no. Anyway, his parents, we didn't have phones, but his parents listened in on his conversations on the phone. Not that they picked up the other phone, but they listened to him talk, and they go, uh, that didn't sound right what you were talking about. What were you talking about? You're interfering in my life. You know when he came to me one day and he said, he said, I'm joining the army. <laughs> I said, what for? I don't like my parents' rules. Now, does anybody get that? Does anybody get that? We, we are like that. We come to God and we go, I don't like his rules. So we make up our own or we go somewhere else. I have watched people go from, from one type of church to another church and they just move from one set of rules to another set of rules. Listen, the law of God is perfect. It doesn't, you can't improve on it. Matthew chapter 23 in verse 1. Go there. Matthew chapter 23 in verse 1. Now, I don't, I don't blame some people wishing that Jesus would actually have done away with the law because there was a group of religious leaders that had abused the law. What was their name? What were Pharisees. So watch how Jesus has to help the people who are following him going, I wish Jesus would do away with the law so that I would not be always made guilty, that I wouldn't always be always uh, put under the thumb. I wish I didn't have to wear, uh, carry this weight of guilt. Look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees are evil. That's not what he said, even though it's true. He says they sit in Moses' seat. They have his authority. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, will that observe and do. But do ye not after their works? For they say... And do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne. They lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. 
but all their works they do just to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the uppermost rooms at feasts, the chief seats of the synagogues. And he goes on and on exposing them that they are frauds, that they are just for show. But he says, still do what they tell you to do because they're quoting from the law. <sighs> mm. So we read the law of the Lord is perfect. Jesus says, go back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, verse 18. <clears throat> For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now a jot and a tittle were two little marks on a, in the Hebrew language. A jot was the smallest part of a letter, we'd call it the dot on the eye. And a tittle is the crossing of the letter T. Now you and I, you know, when we were in school, we were trying to keep notes or we would write our, our answers. And I had an English teacher that must have been trained by the devil. Because she noticed when I didn't dot an I. She, my, my, mark, my marks were all red. I mean, it was just circles, spelling errors, and oh my goodness, word order, so on and so forth. Well, you know, God's word, every dot, every crossing of a T is important to God because as it is, it is perfect, and not one dot will be forgotten. Does that make sense? Psalm 119, don't go there. The writer says, the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Why could he say that, that having thousands of pieces of gold and silver weren't compared to just having God's law? Why? Because the law is perfect. They're flawed. You, you, you have to go through so much to, to heat up and remove the dross and make it usable. But even then, it's not as valuable as the perfection of the Word of God. So the Old Testament is not flawed. It's not old and not in need of being replaced. They are, uh, the Old Testament laws are perfect as they are. It just, it, just, it just means they're not understood. Now that's why Jesus took time to explain them. But let me say secondly, the law of God is almost eternal. Look in verse 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So, God's law is enforced today because not all of it has been fulfilled. We're going to actually talk, I'll talk about it in just a minute, but I'm trying to teach you this morning that when Jesus died, he was dying as the prediction of the law was for, for, for somebody to be perfect with God. He did everything perfectly, but there is, there is still the work of the law that is yet to be fulfilled, and that's going to be done yet in the future. And it's got, it's got big, big plans, which we will see over the next few weeks. Uh, one day, all the prophecies, all the laws, and all the expectations from God toward man will be completed. Every expectation. Uh, now that I'm saved, am I perfect? Yes or no? No. Uh, can I go and commit adultery and be fine with God? No. Not at all. The law is still in effect. Jesus fulfilled it for my righteousness. But you know, there's going to come a day where the law will not be needed anymore. So it's almost eternal. I just want to give you the idea. But until that day, we've got to just take it and obey it. Third, the law of God actually has three groups of laws. Now that makes it a little more complicated. But let me just say, the laws of God are not just the Ten Commandments. They are broken up into three groups of laws, civil laws, moral laws, and ceremonial laws. Basically, the only difference is their purpose. A, um, a civil law dealt mainly with relationships between people. Civilians, we hear the word. Civility. Well, the civil laws tell us how to settle disputes. They describe what is proper behavior in society. That's a civil law. Uh, how, to, how to treat your neighbor, how not to carry a grudge. 
the serum, uh, moral laws and ceremonial laws. The, uh, the moral law tells mankind what is absolutely right and what is absolutely wrong. And how do I know that they're actually still in, in power today? Because they were given by an all-holy God that doesn't change. Morality doesn't change. It was wrong to lie in the Old Testament. By the way, it's still wrong to lie in the New Testament. Amen? So moral laws don't change. Then you have the ceremonial laws. And they deal with man's relationship with God. How to approach an infinite, all-holy God and how to please Him and worship Him. You know, all the ceremonies of the Old Testament, the regulations of the Levitical laws were written to describe God and how to approach Him. You had to have a priest. You had to have a priesthood. You had to have, uh, you had to have a procedure. Uh, you couldn't just go into the Holy of Holies. You couldn't just go and do anything you wanted. There was, there was strict rules how people could approach God and get their sins cleansed. Without, ceremonial, without those ceremonial laws, people would think, well, I can just have God in my pocket. Oh, I can just worship God as I understand Him. Remember Alcoholics Anonymous? The God that I understand. Well, the ceremonial laws tell you the God that you worship and that I worship is the God of Israel. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. One God. And I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't look for another God. I looked to that God. And that's what the ceremonial laws tell us. What is amazing is all of the expectations of all of those laws. I mean, did not Jesus treat everybody correctly? Didn't Jesus uh, fulfill the every civil law by loving and serving everyone around him? Sometimes to his own hurt. He was keeping the civil laws, wasn't he? He was keeping the moral law to the extreme. Jesus never morally failed, did he? And he kept the ceremonial laws. He was both the perfect high priest and the perfect sacrifice. He, complete, he completely fulfilled all of the law. Now, all of God is a standard. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 17 and verse 18. When I was, when I was uh, growing up, we never read the Bible. But the generation before me, even though people didn't like it, even though people disagreed with it, the generation before me grew up reading the Bible. Pastor that I, to the church that I went to to hear the gospel for the first time, his name is Jack Humbert, he's dead now, but when he grew up, his dad required his three boys to read one chapter a night and then come and tell them what they read and what was in the chapter. Not one of them were saved. The dad never became a Christian. And Jack Humbert, growing up, reading through the Bible, he probably, in his years, he probably read through the Bible three times, growing up, before he left home, got married, and went off to work for the railroad. He read the Bible. That's amazing to me. Because that was the last generation, probably, that held to the standards of the Bible. Because at least they knew what was right and wrong, amen? And you may you say, my kids don't listen to the Bible. My kids don't want to come to church. My husband doesn't want to come to church. Hey, read the Bible at home. Play godly music, not the upbeat, happy music uh, uh, that people want to. Play something that puts the fear of God in people, that puts the Word of God in people's hearts, because over time, the Word of God will bear fruit. Because it is the standard, and we need a generation, again, that knows what's right and wrong. So that when somebody says, this is my boyfriend, I'm two boys. <laughs> and, and it's not that you hate and you want to go, I just want to cut your guts out. No. But you say, that's wrong. Sorry, I can't condone it. Somebody, he's a queer, and he comes up and he says, call me a woman. <laughs> or I'll take you to court. There are people like that. And we need some Christians who say, 
Nope. <laughs> Can't do it. Because it's wrong. Now that's going to get hard in the next few years. It's going to get hard. But at least you better know what's right and what is wrong. Because the law of God is the standard. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18. Watch these words. Moses was preparing for the day when they would have kings, when Israel would have its own government. He says this, chapter 17, verse 18. It shall be when he, your king, sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall personally write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests of the, Lev the, the Levites. And it, the law, Genesis to Deuteronomy, shall be where? It's going to go with him. And he shall read therein all the days of his life. He's a king. He can do whatever he wants. And God says, no, he needs to know my law to the point where he has made his own copy. So as he has read every word, he has written every word so that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. Because only then do you have a safe king. So the law of God is the standard. How do we worship God? God told us how to. In his law. Look at Romans 7. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 and verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Is the law wrong? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the... Wow, here's a New Testament Christian saying, I needed the law. Amen? Here's Paul, the greatest, probably the greatest Christian who ever lived, saying, I needed the law. I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust. And he's not talking about lust for a woman. He don't want lust for objects and for things and for money. He says, I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Wow. I won't have you go back to it, but Deuteronomy 31, 12 says this, Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is in within thy gate, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. Bring everybody together, read the Bible. So they learn to fear me, and they learn to obey me. Wow. Next time somebody says, I'm a good person, look at them and go, by whose standard? Uh, they can't answer. I can answer, because <laughs> I know the standard. They're not a good person. <clears throat> so you can't drive a car by your own rules? If you do, please tell me. I'll stay off the road. You cannot drive a car by your own rules. And you can't live your life by your own laws. Now, one of the categories of the law has been put away now. It's the ceremonial law. Aren't you glad we don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship? Aren't you glad we don't have to go to the temple and stand up there? Aren't you glad we don't have to learn Hebrew? Aren't you glad we don't have to go get a lamb every time we sin? I would love to hear a shofar. Horn blown every once in a while. Puts, it, puts chills, man, just realizing there's a trumpet going to be sound one of these days. Anyway, but the ceremonial laws, they're done away with. But the moral and the civil, you know, the Irish government would do well to go back to the Old Testament and learn the principles of the Old Testament laws to define the laws today. Define the value of life. Define the value of work and pay. Uh, define... Uh, 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 show, um, define all of, the, all of the things that we've lost in our society. All they got to do is go back to those civil laws and go, wow, this is how we get along. Here's a great truth. The law is already in your conscience, whether you like it or not. Go to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 14. Romans 2.14 says, For when the Gentiles, how many of you are Gentiles? Let me see your hands. Everybody ought to raise their hands. <laughs> it says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, we didn't grow up with the law, when we do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written where? 
in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the mean or the base, the, the basic principles, while excusing, while accusing, or else excusing one another. So you see two people fighting over a toy. You see two kids fighting over a toy. Why are they doing that? Because their heart is telling them, it's mine. It's wrong for you to steal. It's written in their heart. You know, it, the, the, the laws of God are not written in our, our hearts exactly, but generally we know it's wrong to take another man's wife. Amen? We know it's wrong to kill another human being. I don't care how pagan you may be, you know it's wrong to disobey your parents, or at least your parents should help you with that. We also know in our heart of hearts there is a higher law. We know our understanding of law is very imperfect, and we look for something that will explain and that will help us to do right. And that's where religion comes in, but that's where Jesus comes in. Number five, God's laws bring God's blessings. Look at Joshua 1.8. What are you getting at, Pastor? Right, here's the point. Joshua 1.8. When Jesus starts talking about laws in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he's not making up new ones. He's explaining the ones that you already should know. That's the point. So when he talks about adultery, when he talks about uh, anger, and when he talks about giving, and when he talks about uh, loving, and when he talks about um, divorce, those things are going to come out of what we already understand in the Old Testament, and he's going to explain them, and it's going to be breathtaking. So he's not making up new stuff. Go, okay, now I'm a Christian. I live by new rules. No, you live by a new spirit. But the rules still apply. Um, Joshua 1.8, look at this great verse. This book of the law, I wonder what he's pointing at. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You need to be able to speak it, but thou shalt think it, meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest do it, observe to do according to all that is written therein. Why? For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. See, God's not, a, God's not saying, do this, and I won't kill you. <laughs> he actually says, you know, Hey, you know if you tithe, God promises to open the wind of heaven, windows of heaven, doesn't he? Do you know if you assemble together as a congregation as often as possible, like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, God will bless you. You say it's hard. I was going to add to Eric as he was asking you to consider being more than just Sunday morning church Christians. I was going to add, you know what is hard? It's just as hard for us as it is for you. See, Pastor, you're a preacher. It must be really easy. You have no idea. It's just as hard as the rest of us to get back here on Sunday night. It's just as hard as the rest of us to get here on Wednesday night. It's just as hard as anybody. You've got to prioritize. Because there is a blessing when the people of God get together and look unto Jesus. There is a blessing there. Not in front of your idiot box at home. You know, there's a blessing in staying married. Amen. You don't know what I'm married to. <laughs> You know, there's a, God blesses you when you keep your hands off of other people's, other people's property. God blesses when we dress modestly and godly and not, a, not to attract every fly and every bug. <laughs> God gives blessings. But the law of God is not our righteousness. Let me say it this way. It is imperative that all of mankind live by the laws of God. But it is impossible that any one of us could ever actually totally obey and live by the laws of God. It's a great contradiction. You're supposed to live by them, but you won't be able to. The law is more than just external acts of righteousness. The law is a mirror. Or an, let's make it a little more. It's an x-ray. The law shows us as we really are. When we look into the perfect law of liberty, it shows us as we really are that we fail. So we need not the righteousness of the law, because guess what? Can the law give anybody any righteousness? No. All right, so pretend like I'm ugly, because I know I'm not. Pretend like I'm just, I'm dead ugly. And I go up to a mirror and I go, come on, make me pretty. 
The mirror is only going to show me what I am, amen? And the law only shows me what I am. So you cannot come to God's law and say, make me righteous. Are you with me? I have to get it from someplace else. Cool. Let's see where we can get it. Matthew chapter 5. Back to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus introduces this great thought because to everyone listening to the Pharisees coming up to Jesus, you know what the Pharisees were teaching? If you do this, you will be righteous. If you look like this, you'll be righteous. If you eat like us, you'll be righteous. And they were lying. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. You're not getting in on their kind of righteousness. We need a greater righteousness. Go to Philippians now. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, for we are the circumcision, talking to Christians, which worship God, not with our hands and our clothes, but in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. And we have how much confidence in our flesh? No confidence. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If you ask me, if any man thinketh he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I can do it more. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Touching the law, mm, I was a Pharisee. Verse 6, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. They were an infection. They were a threat. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. Nobody could point a finger at me. But what things were gained to me, those I added up, and they were a loss compared to Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I do count them but manure, but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness anymore, which is of the law. The law could give me my own righteousness, but not the righteousness to be a Christian. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So this is not anything about you trying to trust God's laws for righteousness. No, you trust the one who fulfilled the righteousness. His name is Jesus. So what do we do with God's laws? Real quick. Number one, you need to respect them. I'll just quote it for you. Psalm 119 verse 4 says, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Hmm. That's the truth. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. So what is, what is the writer of Psalm 119 saying? Lord, you told me to keep your law. You told me to keep your word. I wish I, I, wish I knew how, but I, I respect them. I take them seriously. Um... If, if you had a, if you had a, let's pretend that somebody here could afford a, um, I mean, you know what a Lamborghini is, or what's a very expensive car? Some of you would, you know what a Lamborghini is. All right, let's pretend like there's a car sitting out there and it's a 350,000 year old car, all right? Would the person who owns that go, mm, it's, it's just not right. <laughs> I think I'll break off the, 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 uh, uh, the, the, um, uh, the wing mirrors there and, and, and put on some from a Mazda. No, 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 man. Something that priceless. You're, they park, you know where they park? Way down away from everybody else so nobody scrapes their car. You know what I'm talking about? And you know, if you have something perfect, you respect it, you never want to change it. Most people today with the new Bibles, they don't respect the Bible. When there's a new version that comes out, they always throw away their version and they go for a new one because they don't respect the Word of God. Respect the law of God. Respect that it is, it is right. Secondly, learn the word of God. Learn the law. Psalm 119 verse 7 says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. He goes on in Psalm 119, he says, teach me thy statutes. 
Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Give me understanding that I may keep thy law. That's, that's, that's the desire of the Christian. It says, Lord, I, I want to I learn what Jesus said, but what he said is the law. I need to go back and learn what the law said. So that when he speaks, oh, I get it. Learn. Don't be afraid of the Old Testament. Don't go, well, that's just for the Jews. No, it's for you. All, the Bible says, um, Romans 15, verse 4, these things were, were written for our admonition. How does it go? Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, all of them were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Learn the laws. Rightly divide them. That's kind of important because some of the things are not to be obeyed. Some of the Old Testament laws are not to be obeyed. We do not need to go after every Philistine we meet. Okay? <laughs> you better learn to rightly divide some of the laws that don't apply to you. They only applied, yes, to the Jews at that time. But fourthly, obey them. What Jesus is about to teach in Matthew 5 was meant to be obeyed. And really, he wasn't saying, you know what, it was a little tight under the Old Testament. I'm going to make it a little bit easier. As a matter of fact, he's tightening things up even more. So you better, boy, you better pay attention. Fifthly, keep your attention on the author. What the Pharisees did was they paid attention to every jot, every tittle, every word, but they never knew the author. What a sad thing. What a sad thing. What if one of these days, one of your kids, 15, 16, 17 years old, writes a, takes their journal and writes a story and publishes it and becomes a bestseller. You go, I didn't know my daughter had that talent. I didn't know my daughter had that happen in her life. I didn't know it was that interesting because you didn't know her. Wouldn't that be awful if all the Bible is filled with so much revelation of God and we don't know it? Make sure as we learn these things, we're learning about the author. Six, love the law. I, I, I think it's very important to realize um, throughout Psalms, David says over and over, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 1 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight. So make sure you love them. It's not automatic. You're going to have to choose to love them. But I guarantee you, when you start to love them, you find out, How did I miss this all my life? Number seven. Do not ever rely on them. Your abilities to keep some of the laws mean nothing to your soul. They just mean you're going to be sane, you'll be blessed, you'll be useful to God, but they do not fix your soul. They cannot change your soul. They're safe in society. They make for a great church. You know, it's really nice when people treat each other nice, amen, because that's the law. But that doesn't fix anybody. Don't rely on your keeping of them. Who do you rely on? Is a person named Jesus. And you'll find yourself failing, and you'll find yourself falling out. You know what you need to do? Go to God all the time and say, Lord, I'm glad for the Lamb of God. I'm glad that you paid for that stupid word I said, for that wicked thought I thought, for that evil desire I had. Lord, thank you for forgiving me now. I ask you to help me to get up and to serve you again and to get back to doing right. That's how we live. That's how we live. So by way of conclusion, I want to say, once people understand, understood that Jesus was not destroying or replacing the laws of God, he could take the time to expand on them and, 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 and teach them. Show them how they were intended to be understood. You know, Jesus teaches the cause of murder. Jesus understands where, Jesus teaches where adultery begins. He explains how to handle divorce as a Christian and how to pray and to give and to more. But here's a great question. How is your righteousness? If you judge yourself by your own rules, you'll probably say you're doing pretty good. But one day you're going to stand before God and God's going to say, uh, let's try my rules now. And you're doomed. It'll be too late. There is no purgatory. There's no second chances. You don't need the righteousness that comes from the law because it doesn't give you. You need the righteousness of Christ. And that's where a person 
finally realizes, I give up. I can't live it. But Jesus did, so I'll trust him. Would you stand and would you bow your head in prayer? very important that um, we do studies like this. I know it's a bit intense for Sunday morning, but it's very important because Jesus never wasted one word. Jesus never took and just said for fluff. And when we think of our lives, we live outside of God's laws too much. There, we have to have limits. We have to have things that we know are absolutely right and absolutely wrong. We need that, folks. And we need it biblically, not just because my church says so or just because my parents said so. Because everything's in a state of change. Everything is being changed today. I fear for our kids here growing up in school and they're being taught the gay agenda. They're being taught do not speak against abortion. They're being taught that, you know, cannabis and, 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 and some drug use is fine. They're being taught in school. And these kids have no idea of what is right or wrong. And that's our fault. That's because we as parents, we stopped thinking there were rights and wrongs. So we're going to take this seriously as we go through these next few chapters. That we go, oh, these aren't debatable. And they sure could help our society. But they start with us tonight, uh, in our heart today. Father, I bow before you asking that the things that we heard would stay with us. And that we have great respect unto thy law. And that we wouldn't be afraid of it. Some of it does not apply. That's true. But you know, I'd rather struggle with finding out what doesn't apply by starting with, okay, I'm just going to take it as it says it. Because I want, I, I, I want to do right. But it begins with being right. And if somebody's in this room gathered here this morning and they're not saved, they are not right. And no matter the amount that they try to do right, they will end up in a hole in the ground and their soul in hell. Because nobody can do it. Only Jesus did. And they need to cry out to him to be saved this morning. Please help somebody trust Jesus Christ, the perfect Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.